I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. I had this, I probably say it on every freaking podcast. It's like, I, I'm kind of like a believer in the, the ideology that, like, Nobody will ever enjoy or care about conservation until they've had like really fun, positive experiences outdoors. Because that's how I got into it. I would have never once wanted to hunt, fish, backpack across the U.S. Uh, I've kayaked a 137-mile river. You know, I like do all this stuff because it's like I've had such good experiences outdoors. And, and I want to give that to other people because, like, it can be daunting. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's show. We have got a awesome guest on today. If you love the outdoors, which you're listening to this podcast, so definitely you do, you're going to love our guest. We've got Paul Fazinski today, and um, Paul is host of the Aptitude Outdoors podcast, and... Paul is basically anything and everything outdoors. He loves it all, has a really cool story to share with us today and how he got started and uh, and some of the cool stuff that he's done along the way, like hiking the entire Appalachian Trail at one time. So, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but a uh, really cool dude. I'm glad to have him on the show and can't wait for you guys to hear what he's got to tell us. And uh, so let's go ahead and get it started with this week's episode. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. All right. Welcome, everybody, back to Impact Outdoors podcast this week and man we've got a killer guest on the show this week we've got my buddy paul fazinski from up in ohio man hey paul how's it going hey derek i'm doing great thanks for having me on i'm super excited to uh be part of your podcast i've been listening to it quite a bit lately and i'm i'm, I'm really happy to be a guest <clears throat> well thanks for being on man so you um <laughs> we met through instagram i guess and and uh, you've got your own podcast called aptitude outdoors correct yeah, I uh, I started my own podcast this year, actually, 2020, uh, Aptitude Outdoors, and, you know, I just kind of have like a general love of the outdoors, and I'd like to do everything from hunting, fishing, mountain biking, kayaking, backpacking. It's just kind of like ADHD outdoors, I guess is what I should have called it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think we both started about the same time, probably, and, and uh, um, kind of found each other through through all the hashtags and all all that stuff on social media and uh, so it's been cool to to get with you here recently and uh um love listening to your show and and um 
all the stuff that you put out is pretty cool. I love love all the you, you do a lot of posts, a lot of daily posts and stuff, interacting with your guests and, and audience, and that's always cool to see. So, but I wanted to talk to you because man, because you've got like a really varied background and and kind of all the stuff you've done and, and you're currently doing, man. So, why don't you just kind of tell us about you and then we'll kind of get into the meat of it. All right, yeah, it's it's weird. And I'm sure you understand this too, because you have your own podcast and you're used to just asking questions and letting other people talk. And then you come on someone else's <laughs> podcast and it's like, oh, I actually got to, I got to say something. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, my background is, is very strange. I uh, grew up actually in Michigan. My dad, we grew up in a, in a, in a place called Toledo, Ohio. And my dad, he's, he's a little bit of an outdoorsman himself. He, uh, he worked at Jeep, you know, like that's like the classic Toledo, Ohio thing to do. He worked at Jeep. And, and when we were kids, we lived in the city and he got real sick of like suburbia, you know, like living on the outskirts of town. And, and, and he moved us up to Michigan. So we went from this like one acre grassed yard to this like 10 acre wooded lot in the middle of Southeast Michigan. It's like the the great black swamp kind of like insane, like like quintessential Southeast Michigan and kind of, we went in this whole different world and it was this big transition for me. And, and that was kind of like the spark of my love of the outdoors. We grew up, you know, sitting, going from sitting in a little suburbia house to like splitting wood and we heated our house with wood and we grew up like, you know, get the hell out of the house and go outside in the woods and play like you're driving me nuts. And, you know, as a kid, you you kind of get annoyed with that because it's it's not video games. It's not PlayStation and Xbox and all this right. stuff. But when I got when I got older, you know, I, I started to love it, you know, and we did a lot of stuff outside all the time. We were always shooting guns. Uh, my dad bought us pellet guns when we were like, I don't know, like eight. Uh, we would just go out and play in the woods and shoot bottles and, and have fun. And, and ever since then, it's just been like, a, a I would call it an uphill spiral because I, I love the outdoors so much. Now it's like every, everything, my life revolves around it. That's awesome. So, and, uh, yeah. So did y'all drive a Jeep? <laughs> I since literally, dad my, I was just told this story yesterday to someone my uh my dad had a Jeep Wrangler when I was a kid and my mom had a Jeep Grand Cherokee and then my dad sold the Jeep to his brother my brother sold or his brother sold the Jeep to his father-in-law my father his father-in-law sold the Jeep to my brother my brother just <laughs> sold the Jeep to my uncle <laughs> like like yeah I just bought my third Jeep Cherokee so yeah I I'm I'm a we're Jeep and aficionados I guess you could say <laughs> playing ping pong with the same car <laughs> those wranglers live forever man there's no there's uh they they do man I, i've got my brother-in-law he's got a he's got a bunch of them so he, he likes yeah. fixing up and selling them and stuff and uh yeah they're good good all-around vehicles man you can do anything in those things so yeah you but need that, that four-wheel drive so, up here in ohio in the winter <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so 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 you know that's the one thing you know i live in the south so our winters are uh uh, you got a couple inches of snow up to six inches. I mean, that's a ton. So, I mean, what are the winters like up there, you know, Michigan and Ohio where you're at now? I mean, I know they're pretty, pretty gnarly at times with snow, snow yeah. and ice stuff. We live like, we're like Toledo 
Ohio, where I currently am in the outskirts of where I live right now, is literally surrounded by all of the Great Lakes. So, like, we're right, right. off the coast, Lake Erie. Uh, amazing fishing out there, by the way. But, yeah, there's the winters recently have been kind of mild. Um, and I, I would assume that's doing to like, like climate change and stuff like that. But like recently they haven't been terrible, but years past, I remember we, like there were three, four days at a time we couldn't even go anywhere because the roads were ice, like it would rain and freeze. So right. yeah, we, it's just been kind of crazy lately, but yeah, it gets really cold, like negative 10, like it gets pretty nasty up here in the winter. Yeah, you can keep that stuff up there. So I'll stay in Texas or uh, around Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, you guys have it. You guys got it made down there. Yeah, we, where I live, man, it might get in the 30s, maybe three or four nights a year, and then uh, you're lucky if it gets below 45, 50 degrees in the winter time down here. So, but it does get cold. I mean, you go a little bit further north, like where I deer hunt and stuff, man. In the winter, like mm-hmm. December late season january man it can it can really drop down in the teens and stuff but uh we just don't get the snow and and stuff like they do up north so which is fine because i can't stand ice and uh snow is a little bit easier but but uh i can live without it so i'll tell you what man i I would so she likes it so (laughs) i i would give anything for a, a temperature in the teens during like peak deer hunting season up here that's like a comfortable day with 80 layers right on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember uh hunting at my wife's uh family farm up in missouri uh it was maybe two years ago maybe three years ago and literally it was it was about to kill me because i think it was like zero to two degrees somewhere in there and um i've got a box blind i built up there so man i had I don't know how many propane bottles I went through <laughs> sitting out there, but uh, yeah, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, it's not a pleasant experience, but you know, you take what you can get. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but uh, so you grew up there, and then uh, so kind of what what happened is you got older. I mean, I know. Um, well, we'll get into the your Appalachian Trail experience, but I mean, what you know, what really sparked you to get so invested in the outdoors and and stuff and and kind of lead you on the path you're on now so well it was a it was a really gradual thing for me like when i was in my teen years we would you know i'm a i'm a restless dude like i don't i i'm like a adhd like all over the place all the time and if anybody ever listens to my podcast you will you will get that gist (laughs) in two seconds but my buddies and i we got our driver's license you know that's like a big thing when you're a teenager your parents are like right. yeah, get your driver's license so you can take yourself around so i get my driver's license and then i'm thinking like i can go anywhere i want now and for most teenagers that's like i'm gonna go to the mall i'm gonna go exactly. here i'm gonna yeah. i was like oh i heard of this place in southern ohio it's like a three or four hour drive from where i live it's called hocking hills so i drive down there and i'm like oh my god God, this is not cornfields. This is caves, caverns. We'd get, we wouldn't have no idea where we were going. We didn't like, I didn't know how to read a map. I didn't know what, anything about anything. I had like, didn't even have a backpack. I'd never heard of backpacking. Uh, and we would just wander around this place and get lost and dehydrated. And I loved it. We didn't like, I didn't know anything about camping gear. We would go, we would literally stop at Walmart on the way to Hocking Hills go to their camping section, buy tents. We would buy uh, 
like canned food. We'd buy like trail mix and like we would just rough it. I didn't know what a sleeping pad was. We just laid on the ground. It was terribly uncomfortable. But man, those are like the best memories of my whole life. We just we just had a blast learning about the outdoors and kind of the ins and outs. And then as I got older, uh, I joined this heavy metal band. We traveled around the country and like coming from Ohio, the like the thing to do in Ohio is to travel to Florida and then come back right. to Ohio. That was vacation when I was a kid. Like Disney World, the beach. So that's all I knew. I'd, I'd driven through the mountains in like West Virginia and, and, and Virginia and all the way up the, the East Coast. And I was like, oh, whatever, you know, you're stuck in a car. It's not that exciting. But then when I joined this band, we we drove through Texas. We slept in the desert. We saw Arizona. We saw like the Rockies for the first time. I saw um, the Redwoods. I went to Washington, Oregon, all these like places that, sh- that in America you associate with the outdoors. And like it was just this mind blowing experience. Like, oh, my God, I've only seen this on a on a, like a calendar like this is real right and yeah and never been out of your your home zone basically yeah like all i knew was the woods of southeast michigan and and my mind just was blown and basically that was it like once i saw that stuff i came home and i was hooked like for life like it's an obsession at this point yeah yeah that's crazy because um you know i you know, my I grew up in kind of a similar deal. I mean, here in Oklahoma City area, and uh, um, loved to fish since I was a little kid. You know, man, when I turned sixteen, um, all I wanted to do was go to the lake. Yep. And uh, I think I was seventeen or eighteen, and my grandmother actually bought me a small John boat and a little outboard motor, and I must have burned ruts in I thirty five every weekend because i was going from school straight down to the, this little lake called mountain lake down near uh, southern oklahoma near ardmore and fish that thing all the time and and um but uh you know it's kind of like kind of like you you know you get out you start seeing stuff man um you're like man i need i need to come back here i want to go fishing here hunting here whatever mm-hmm. so what um so i guess uh Seeing all that and and really getting in into all that, where the heck did you, did you find the time or or start getting ready for this Appalachian Trail? Like, how did that come about? And and I know this is not a you know you can train for a couple weeks and then go do it because this is how long did it take you to do that? Well, the Appalachian Trail was pretty much six months. It was like a hair short by like I don't know like a couple of days. Um, wow. But yeah, I went I went to college when I got back from being in this band. We went on tour for like three years. Like I graduated high school. We went on tour and drove around the US literally basically nonstop for three years. And what was the name of the band? Of this band? The you initially were in? The band that I was in then is called Blood of the Prophets. It was a very heavy metal band. We were a bunch of punk kids. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean we I, we're still Blood a band. Of the we're still a band today, but you know, the outdoors takes precedent over, over <laughs> everything at this point. And like we, we drove around and, and, you know, I get, you know, you get sick of it. You run out of money and the, the funds run out. So you're like, I got to do something. So I went to college, uh, went through like a big hippie phase of like, I got a cultural anthropology degree. I've always been kind of an idealist. 
And I think you somewhat have to be to like run your own podcast or show like you have to be like really driven to do <laughs> like things you believe in. Uh, right. But I got really into nature and the outdoors in college, like even further because I learned about all this crazy stuff that was going around around the world. And that's kind of what piqued my interest in and everything I do nowadays, honestly, uh, I learned like, you know, coming from Ohio, you don't learn about people in Malaysia, you know, I, so I took this degree and I'm like, oh my God, like all these people around the world do all this crazy stuff. They hunt, they fish, they subside off of all this or subsist of all this like crazy way of life that I didn't know existed. All I knew was, you know, Kroger and Walmart and, and, you know, buying food. Uh, so it really piqued my interest in the outdoors further. And then like the environmental issues and conservation and stuff were a real part of my degree, oddly enough, because anthropology isn't necessarily conservation, but uh, we had a, a professor who was really adamant about conservation and that kind of piqued my interest in that. And I don't know what happened in college. Like it was like, I heard about the Appalachian Trail somewhere and I got obsessive about it. Like I read and I read and I read and I had no backpacking experience. My experience was, like I said before, Hocking Hills, and I didn't know anything. So I, I researched it. I got super hardcore into it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. The day I graduate, this is what I'm doing. And it just happened. Like, I literally skipped graduation. My parents were super pissed. Like, I rolled out. <laughs> I, I graduated. I got my final exam out of the way. I hopped in a car and we were in Georgia and like, I just started hiking, man. And I, it was, it's, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Like it was just fun. It was hard. It, it, it's like, it's like hunting. It's yeah. well, yeah. It's like anything that you want to pursue is hard. That's worth anything. Like sitting out in a deer blind for hours on end is not always the most exciting thing, but like when you get the deer, you're like, Oh yeah, that was worth it. You know? And that's the Appalachian trail was for me. I, uh, you know, I, a lot of people like to dwell on that experience. Like it's like the highlight of their life. And for me, it was like, you know, all I did was kind of walk for a really long time. And I, I, I mean, I loved it. I mean, there's there's a lot of hard times. There's a lot of rough times. It was very challenging mentally, physically. I learned it, it was like a condensed course in the outdoors. Like I learned more in six months being outside every day than I would have, you know, in any other situation for my whole life. And it was just a lot of observing nature like you're outside with nature you see how a bear acts you see how a moose acts you see how a you know a chipmunk acts because that's all there is to entertain yourself and and it's it's just a (laughs) it's one of the best experiences in my life and i i love it it's fun i encourage everybody to do it if you're insane so did you um did you go with the whole group of people of friends and stuff or did you Basically, just do it on your own and just meet up with people along the way, or, or how'd that go? Actually, my then girlfriend, now wife, and I went together. We started together, we finished together. Uh, I proposed to her at the end of the trail, but uh, oh, yeah, man, it, awesome. it was it was the two of us, and we met a ton of awesome people along the way. I've actually interviewed uh, a few of them on the podcast that yep. I have, and and you know, I just. It is usually most people end up in a group of some sort with a few other people. Uh, but 
I would say the average people start out by themselves and then just kind of fall in with a group of people. And it's a, it's a good community out there. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's, it's just like the hunting world and the fishing world. I mean, the trail hiking world is, is huge and, and uh, that's cool. Cause I mean, that's something I haven't done a lot of, I've done a lot of hikes. I think probably the longest uh, trail I've done was uh, over in Europe and it was like maybe, 25 kilometers in one day or something mm-hmm. uh, but uh um pronghorn hunting in wyoming was probably the the worst on me just because i lived down on the coast and went from like 14 feet to 7,000, and I, we walked like 15 miles the first day i went up there to go hunting and that, that about physically i was fine but man being able to breathe up there was tough <laughs> <laughs> what were you hunting for out there pronghorn antelope oh man yeah man it was awesome we uh we were done in two days we got um we got all of our our uh, bucks the first day and then finished out our our doe tags the second the first evening and the second day and and uh that was probably one of the coolest hunting trips i've ever done just because the the scenery and uh we were just uh west of laramie i think and uh um i got a buddy that lives in um omaha and so I drove up there and then we drove over to Wyoming and, um, cause he, he hunts over there quite a bit. And so it was fun being with somebody that's done it before. Um, so they were kind of guiding me along the first day. And after that, man, it was just kind of a free for all. So that's but, one thing I, that's one thing I met, like coming from the Midwest, it's like all those hunts you hear about where people get to go out West and they get to do these like big open plains hunts or mountain hunts. It's like, it just makes your mouth water. You know, I don't like we, we have like, like cornfield we hunt the edges out on the, the, uh, like right. the big patches of woods out here. We hunt cornfields and we hunt, you know, there's a little public land up where I'm at, but it's mostly like cornfield hunting. And that's all I know. So it's, it's so when you see that, those big, big hunts, it's like, Oh man, I, it's like a dream, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. And, um, and it was on the cheap too. Cause it did not cost that much. I did that whole trip leaving from Galveston and driving all the way up there and back permits and everything for like 800 bucks. What? That, yeah. Our tags were like three thirty for the three tags. And then, uh, we, you know, we just split rooms at the motel and, and, uh, and, uh, just food and gas. And that was about it, you know? So now that didn't include, uh, I did get the buck mounted just cause it was my first one. So that set me back another seven or 800 bucks, but, but, uh, you can't resist that though. Come on. Yeah, it was totally worth it though. So uh, <laughs> I got lucky too. I, I did get a. I was very fortunate and got a really good, good antelope the first time. So that was that was pretty neat. But uh, but yeah, I haven't done an elk hunt or anything ex- extra crazy like that. A bunch of guys from work they go to they go between Utah and Colorado every year and go go elk hunting and and they usually do pretty good. I mean, they usually fifty percent of the time they usually get something. So. That's impressive. Uh, and they're doing the, the pack-ins and all that craziness, man. I mean, that's a lot of work. So uh, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I'm going to do it one day. But uh, um, well, that's, where we of- can, that's where we can meet in the middle. I have the packing experience, and you have the hunting Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can do it. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that someday. So, yeah, I had to – man, I didn't even hunt until I was probably in my – early twenties. Um, but, uh, I think probably my first hunting experience was I was an exchange student over in, uh, Germany 
And um, I got to go over there and uh, the uh, family I stayed at, the dad was actually in charge of the forestry department, which was in charge of all the hunting and fishing. And so, dude, it was like a dream come true, man. I was able to go and, and I didn't hunt, but I went on some hunts with some people and man, I never knew what they hunted. They got like two or three little deer over there and red stag and then uh, a lot of wild boars and stuff. And uh, so it was cool getting to see all that. And, and uh, that really got me in, in interested in doing it when I got home. So, yeah, that's, that's, it's crazy because like I did not start hunting until probably three or four years ago. And it just was like, I, um, I don't know if you've heard of, of Eustace Conway. He's like a, kind of like a, like an outdoors guy to the extreme. He's, uh, he's, uh, right. he like lives off the land. Like, uh, there's a book about him. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I read What's it. Name? I'm going to write it down. Eustace Conway. Uh, okay. there's a book about him. It might be called like the last outdoorsman or something like that. It's been so long since I read it, but it was a book I read before I went on the Appalachian trail. And that was kind of like the, the spark for me that I wanted to do hunt when I got back because you live on the land, like you're living on the land and you're, you're, you're in the outdoors all the time. But like, I never had that hunting experience. Like my dad, when we were kids, he made us get our hunting licenses when we were like 14, which was like the legal age at Michigan at the time. But we never actually hunted like, cause he worked so much. We couldn't really like, he couldn't like find the time to take us out, you know? Uh, so it was like, but I've always had this spark. Like I wanted to do it. And then I went out on the trail and you, you change your perspective on things. Cause it's like having the anthropology degree, learning about these human cultures that still subsist off hunting. And then I was like, man, I've never had this experience. So I get home from the trail. Uh, I basically, my dad gave me his shotgun and I started working for a park district. And I was like, I need to hunt. Like I need to learn how to hunt. I don't know. I've never done this. I don't know how to do it. And like, I watched a ton of YouTube videos. I watched every single episode of meat eater that was on at the time. Like I just obsessed. Right. And I, I just happened to work with a guy, uh, my good friend, Bill Heflin. He, he had what well, at that point he had like 15 years with the parks and he's like, I don't have any land to hunt. I've been trying to find a place to go. You know, a lot of stuff out here in Ohio is private where we're at in Northwest mm -hmm. Ohio. And I was like, hey, I live in a cornfield and my father-in-law owns the cornfield and there's a 10-acre lot in the cornfield. Like, I want to learn how to hunt. You want a place to hunt. Like, I have this perfect proposition for you, my man. And... uh <laughs> So he kind of showed me the ropes, man. He he came over, we scouted the woods. Uh, we just like learned what was going on and out here. Yeah. I don't know how hunting laws work all across the U S it's insane. Like the, the they're diff different everywhere, yeah. but, but in Ohio we have, we basically have archery season, which is this huge long season starting in September ends in like February. Right. And then, there's a gun week and then there's a bonus gun weekend. So we went out gun week, two, three days, never saw anything. You know, we're sitting on the corners of the fields looking, looking, looking. And then we go out for the bonus gun weekend, which is only two days. And I 
I go out there, I sit on the corner, one, one corner of the field. He sits on one corner of the other field. And I am like so nervous because like, I, I, I've never, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I'm, I'm just like so green and you know, I, I know how shotgun works. I grew up with all this stuff and I'm sitting out there and it was like a dream. And, and you know, this feeling cause you're a hunter and a fisherman and yeah. The first time a deer comes up in range, it's like, what is happening? Your body goes into overdrive. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I still get the feeling today. Yeah, deer fever, man. It's like yeah. this big buck. Like I know you, other the people aren't seeing it, but behind me, I have the skull mounted on the wall. Like, and uh, it's like this buck comes up. It's like the perfect moment in hunting like he comes up he quarters and he's standing there and i'm like oh my god like this is what i've been like researching for a year yeah (laughs) and i take the shot and uh, my life was changed forever at that moment like it's it was mind-blowing man that's awesome there's nothing like that you can't explain it i mean it's like a mixture of you being like super overly anxious scared is all get out that you're going to screw up and, and wound or miss them or something. And then just excitement all in one. I mean, man, when I, anytime, man, I harvest the animal, man, I just, it's usually after the shot when I freak out a little bit, it's like my back will just tense up and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like this, it worked out, you know? And, uh, man, when you lose that, you know, it's time to hang it up, but, uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah. And and I just love taking people now for the first time because I just like being a part of that, mm-hmm. especially kids and stuff, man. They get so freaking pumped and excited just seeing an animal. But then when they actually can harvest one, whether it's a deer or turkey or a duck or whatever, man, it's just so cool, you know, just to be a little piece of that memory they have. And, uh, and I'm sure you're going to find yourself in the same situation, you know, down the line, showing somebody else how to get into it, you know, and, and that's what... That's what the sport of hunting and fishing is all about. Is well, I, yeah, I had the somebody, sports alive. I had somebody today, and, and it's, I, I don't know how correct I am in saying it, but I, the guy commented today on my Facebook. I made a, a post about hunting, and I was like, you know, what's your favorite hunting equipment or something like that? And he said, I'm just glad to see people out there under 40 years old hunting. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right, dude. I've seen like, that post. Yeah, that was awesome. Like, I I didn't think about it like that, but I guess, yeah. Personally, I don't know anybody in my age that really hunts around me. And it's kind of crazy. Like, it's, I, I don't know. Everybody's gotten so comfortable just like living their nine to five. And, and, and they have know, no idea. And, and have you found that this year specifically because of this COVID-19 crap that's been going on for mm-hmm. seems like forever now yeah, that yeah. so many more people are trying to get in the outdoors and getting introduced to it now. Cause you know, one, you're not around a bunch of people mm-hmm. Two, it's not that expensive to get into it. And, and three, I mean, just what better way to, to make use of your time if you're not working, <laughs> it's just get out. Yeah, I mean, I would hope people are getting more into the outdoors because where we're at in Ohio, it's kind of one of the few things that isn't, I guess, regulated right now. Like, like it's free for all. Like, anybody can go outside. Anybody can go to the parks. 
uh like all of our bike shops sold out of bikes there's mountain biking trails up where i'm at and it's just kind of it's it's good to see because maybe this this will spark people's interest in the outdoors and i i can't speak on the hunting aspect of it but it's like i'm i'm super excited to see more people outdoors absolutely like that's the why i started my podcast because like the outdoors changed my life i want to see that for other people you know what i'm saying yeah exactly man it's the same down down in Texas. I mean, you couldn't buy a boat. You couldn't buy a kayak because they were all gone. I mean, you go to uh, academies or something like that. They have no bicycles on the racks. And uh, the fishing department is wiped out. I'm like, I was at the one here in Oklahoma City today. And, I mean, it was empty also. And uh, um, it's really cool, you know. And, and, and the struggle has been the last so many years has been recruitment, you know. You know, once they get in, retention's not the hardest thing. It's getting them started, and and I really hope this is they're going to see a huge spike in the like license sales and stuff like that. Because um, the more people that are doing it, the more money is going to go back into these things to make trails better, lakes better, hunting, you know, public land access better, and all that stuff. I mean, it all it all goes full full circle, and um, you know, just you getting involved. I mean, you're part of that too, and and the yeah, and that's see, I my pay my everything I do is more, it's more of a general outdoors page. But I do right. have a lot of people that that might get upset about the hunting aspect of it. But you know, because I, I focus a lot on like backpacking, um, hiking, kayaking, and all this kind of stuff, like your 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 outdoor adventure style stuff. But I don't shy away from hunting at all. And and I don't think a lot of people or I don't think a lot of people realize that although the fun stuff that you would say, like quote unquote, all the stuff I just mentioned, backpacking, hiking, kayaking, blah, 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 is is exciting and yet it stimulates the economy. The hunting aspect of it funds conservation for the most part. Hunting is the right. big part of conservation because how does it benefit us as hunters if all the animals are dead? Like it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? So I really try and push that aspect a lot because there's a misconception about hunting and I don't know how it is where you're at, but where I am at, when people think of hunters, they think of guys like sitting in tree stands, chugging Bud Light, you know, you know, (laughs) drunk, throwing can like, like that's not the kind of hunting I do, but like, I can understand why people feel that way. And you know, I don't, that's not the actual demographic of hunting. I don't feel like the majority no, i mean most people you know it, there's always going to be certain people in everything and you know everything that goes on there's always going to be some bad apples but mm-hmm. you know man i live in texas now and everybody hunts for the most part so yeah everybody's got guns and, and, is, and is outdoors and uh um and and they're all you know for the most part they're all true good good-hearted conservationists and, and understand the the reasons behind it. And, and that's the biggest part, you know, education of the public. And, um, you know, we do a ton of outreach with the different programs that I'm a part of. And, and, uh, especially in the inner cities, I mean, we're close to Houston. So, I mean, you got almost 5 million people there now, you know, and we're always trying to get kids out outdoors from the inner cities, um, that just don't have the opportunity. And, uh, we run into it every year with my National Turkey Federation chapter I'm a part of. We do have several youth events, and and um, I, n- I remember uh, 
we have a big trapping component of our spring uh, trip we usually do. And um, the, the trapper guys usually go up ahead of us and set snares and, and things like that. Cause we're trying to um, show the, these kids um, why it's important to control the predator population mm-hmm. uh, to help with turkeys. And um, anytime we trap something, you know, they'll dispatch it. They'll, they'll put it out and, these kids faces that haven't been to one of these before. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've never seen anything taken out like that, but mm-hmm. at the end of the week that we're there, they totally get it. Why we do it. The, the impacts that those animals have on, on the, the nesting sites and the habitat itself. And especially when you're dealing with the feral hogs with these mm-hmm. pigs, which we've talked about before. Um, I mean, they're insane. They're basically in every town down here in Texas, and and I'm sure they go all the way up close to where you're at now. Um, I mean, they cause billions of dollars in damage a year across the country. So, um, but education's key, you know. And and uh, like I said, more people getting out right now. I mean, that's only that's that's just gonna fuel the education process. Because if you start hunting, and and do y'all have? I'm sure y'all do. Like a have to do like a hunter's education class before before you get a license up there or yeah that- yeah when you are at least as far as i remember when you're a kid at like 14 to probably 18 you definitely have to get a hunter's education course i've had yeah. mine since i was 14 so i have no idea what <laughs> what people have yeah. to do after that age but yeah i mean it's i think a lot of people miss out on the with with what you're talking about like predator control i think it's hard for people to grasp that in some aspect because like, I don't know. It's we've wiped out a lot of predators, but like at the same time, like in Ohio, we have coyotes is probably the main thing. And people are like, you know, they're, they're not native to where we live. They're not, you know, they're not productive in this area. They're just, they kind of just exist here. And like, we wiped out all the natural predators in a lot of these places in most of the part. And then like, like you said, the feral hogs, that's something that was introduced. That's not, that's not like a native animal. That's like productive to the population and the ecosystem. It's like they're out of control. They, they were never here and then they got introduced and now it's a problem. And, you know, I think people have a hard time with death in general because it's not something Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something they see every day. Like, we go to the store, we buy our food. It's, you know, we have beef and pork and chicken, and that's pretty much it. And it's delicious and blah, blah, blah. But, like, like until you've, until you've experienced killing something, like, I think people sometimes think that hunters enjoy killing stuff. Like, it's, uh, like, I don't kill a deer and I'm just, like, stoked. Like, oh, yeah, I'm glad this thing's dead now. It's, like, it's a, it, yeah. it's heavy for a minute, but it's, like, I'm going to eat this whole deer. Like, I'm not just yep. going to like throw this up on the wall and be like, woohoo, dead animal, you know, like, yeah. I, I think there's a, there's a disconnect on that because people don't have to deal with it every day. Like the general public. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and there are those people that will just brag about a set of horns or whatever antlers and, and stuff. And, and, and unfortunately that's what gets drawn out into social media and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, man you harvest something I and mean, it's it's really cool that you completed that part of your trip or whatever but man to me and to probably 99% of most people it's the whole experience mm-hmm. you know like you said earlier is being outdoors 
um, with friends or even if you just by yourself in that time and, and uh, being able to take something home is just icing on the cake. So, well, even, you know, I, I butchered a deer last year and it was just like at home, like, like I didn't have it. I didn't take it somewhere to get processed, which is what well, most people do here where I live. And it was like, it was such a good learning experience. Like, yeah, you know, having never done it before, it was kind of gross. Like, we'll be honest yeah. here. Like, yeah. there's no, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, it can be a, a little well, <laughs> gruesome to put it, yeah. but like, it's such a good learning experience. Like I know how, what the anatomy of a deer is now. Like I understand it. Like it's not a mystery. You know, when you first start out, everything's scary. Like you learn where the kill zone is, you learn how to gut it. And then it's just an ant, like a turn comes back in a package, you know, from the processor. Yeah. It's yeah. like when you, when you butcher it yourself, it's like, wow, I learned like how all the muscles work together. I learned like, you know, you just learn the mm-hmm. animal. And I, I, I just think that's so cool. Like I, I like learning about that stuff. And to me, it was like really <laughs> impressive. And, you know, you get hair all over the meat and you got to clean it. You're like, oh man, this yeah. is way harder yeah. than I make it look. <laughs> it's like through me for a look, man. The first time I cleaned a deer, I was just like, I have, I've been told, you know, but like the front shoulders aren't even attached, you know, like, like the, the <laughs> back legs are. It's like, they're just free floating yep. attached on muscles. And yep. I wonder these things can run so fast. Yeah, exactly, so, man. They're it's great cool. animals. So what did you do? So like with your first deer that you um, cleaned and stuff, uh, what all did you make? I mean, did you like grind up for hamburger meat? Did you roast it out or? Yeah. So up- I probably like 80% of it turned into hamburger because yeah. I went to the butcher, a local butcher, and I just bought a bunch of uh, beef fat and I just ground it ground it i looked like basically everything i've done i've learned off of youtube as far as uh, processing i watched a ton of videos and and you know whatever get criticism for that but it was like i learned so much and it was it was a long process and it was a tiresome process but i i i prefer it at this point because a lot of the time when you send your deer off to a butcher, you're not really sure you're getting your own deer anyway, like, or at least around where yeah, I'm at. Yeah. And it's like, I'm a, just kind of the kind of person that likes to learn in general. So I thought it was a really fun experience and like, just to see what the different cuts are, like learning, you know, how to pull out the back straps and learning what all the different muscles are and how, what roast that is. Like, I just think that's cool. I think it's, it's awesome. And I, I feel like everybody should try it at least once, you know? Maybe get a small little dough and just give it a shot. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, um... So usually, you know, I did all that myself initially, and then we had kids, and so yeah, that yeah. Uh, 
time-wise, man, I, I end up having to take it somewhere now. But we usually, you know, we'll get um, some, like, some smoked sausage made. and uh, But before, man, I would do uh, ground. And then um, my buddy had a tenderizer on a big, uh, one of those big, like, uh, LEM grinders. It was an attachment. Mm-hmm. So, man, we put back straps, any stakes I could get off, and we'd tenderize the heck out of those things. And just made it made it so easy you didn't even need a knife to, to cut those things you know right off the grill or whatever with chicken prime or whatever and uh, oh yeah um now you know we'll, we'll get sausage made maybe some summer sausage every once in a while but uh try next time man try grinding up some uh, brisket with it oh instead of beef fat because dude that brisket and venison just it makes i mean it makes really good hamburger that's what we're having for dinner tonight actually um but uh brisket's probably my favorite thing to mix with it now instead of just like pork or beef fat so i've never heard that i'll have to try that out flavor man so yeah Yeah, i'm I'm not saying that i'm going to forever self-process the deer but it is a ton of work it's like it was like it's fun man i mean we went the whole nine yards we had all the all the tools and stuff to do and and i'll still do some you know um if, if i shoot one late season and just need just need ground meat and stuff um, we'll just do it at the house, you know, but if I've got two or three deer, you know, in a short time span down here, then, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, it has to, I just don't have time to do, do that part as much as I want to, Oh yeah. but, uh, but it was definitely a, a, a learning curve, man. We did jerky and all kinds of crazy stuff and, uh, um, but, uh, good, good, good times, man. And, uh, shoot as many pigs as we kill down here man we get plenty of pork so uh, we end up <laughs> most of that stuff though um on the pits and stuff so yeah but that's that's, that's awesome cool. i'm interested so you run that fishing charter too which is super impressive yeah. i just went on my first fishing charter with some buddies i mean i've been on on lake erie up here and done walleye and perch with my buddies uh-huh. Uh, quite a bit. We got the Maumee River up here, which is like one of the walleye capitals of the world. So I'm oh, not. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so good, and like it, there's so many fishing spots up here. I mean, the, literally the Great Lakes, like they're yep. just gigantic fish farms. But you know, we got we got such good fishing up here. But what's it like to fish? I have no ocean fish. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I have one ocean fishing experience, and all I remember was puking my guts out. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> what's it like to fish down there with all the in the ocean, man? I see you guys pulling out some monsters. It's crazy, man. You literally don't know what you're going to catch from day to day. I mean, you know the certain areas you can go and target certain fish, like like red drum and and. Uh, spotted sea trout you know speckled trout and, and and flounder and stuff like that but um we do quite a few trips out in the near shore gulf of mexico and then around the jetties which are just like the the passes from the bay to the gulf mm-hmm. and uh, just like giant two to four mile long rock uh groins out there stick out there to kind of protect the shipping lanes and so they're really good habitat spots for all kinds of fish so, i mean you know, one minute you might be catching uh, some small drum or something. The next thing you know, you've got a, a 50, 60 pound black drum on the line or a big bull shark or something. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, we were out, we were catching little stuff. And then all of a sudden, one of the rods just doubled over and everybody in the boat. I mean, I was running a trip and uh, nobody wanted to reel this fish in. So they made me reel it in and it took probably 45 minutes. And we had about a 200 pound stingray 
up on the side of the boat. Oh. <laughs> that thing was huge, man. It was probably five foot wide. And uh, we pulled it up, cut the hook, and uh, took some picks and, and let it swim off. And uh, But it's just, you know, you never know. And it, that's the coolest thing, man. You just don't know what you're going to catch. And uh, um, every trip's different. That's that's the coolest thing, man. It's like um, every single trip's different. And that's, you know, one of the best things about guiding is all the people you get to meet, man. I've met so many people from all across the country and made a lot of really cool friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get the most out of that, you know, just being able to make memories with, with the people and, and with the kids. And we do a lot of, we do a lot of corporate stuff too. Um, not right now because the oil and gas industry is tanked right now because yeah. of the virus. But, um, pre that, I mean, we do a lot of, a lot of the companies will have like in internal tournaments and stuff. And so they'll get, you know, 50, 60 guides lined up to take, you know, their employees and clients out and stuff. And then, those are always a lot of fun, but um, I love getting families out. So, especially I've never been down there before because they don't care what they catch. You know, they just want to go and have fun. And and uh, those are usually the best trips too because usually the fish are biting a whole lot better when they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I feel the same way sometimes. I'm just happy to catch anything. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, uh, I had a, a trip uh, a couple weeks ago, and. Um, I had booked a trip with this guy for this week and we had to cancel because we're currently under hurricane warning back home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, some of his in-laws came into town and found out they were going fishing and they said, well, we want to go. So he booked a trip two weeks ago <laughs> for them and they never fished. They were from uh, a family uh, originally from Japan and they lived in Los Angeles and came over to visit, you know, his wife and stuff. And, uh, um, that was a, a fun trip, man. For people had never been really on a boat, never fished before. They picked it up real quick and we caught all kinds of stuff. So, um. yeah, I, I had experience like that pretty recently. Like my, I had a, I was in a, in a wedding a few weeks ago. It's weird doing a wedding during COVID, you know, it was like, like the whole wedding itself was just strange with all the distancing and masks and stuff. But like my yeah. buddy, he had never been fishing before. Well, no, he said he'd been fishing once and he didn't catch anything. He's like, he hated it. And you know, he's not an outdoors guy at all. Like he's a police officer. He lives in suburbia. He's a, he rides dirt bikes. Like he, he competes, but he's, he's not an outdoorsman in any aspect. And I was like, what do you want to do for your bachelor party, man? And he's (laughs) like, I really want to go fishing. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, Michigan is like fishing capital of the Midwest, like like, land of a thousand lakes or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like you can literally, you can book a fly fishing trip. You can book a charter boat. Like you can buy a rod and go step a mile out your door and, and find a lake. Like that's Michigan. And, uh, you know, I was like, I have an idea. So I talked to all the other groomsmen. I'm like, yo. We can rent a charter boat for like six hours for like 500 bucks, which there's like five, six people in a wedding. That's like 100 bucks a person. I was mm-hmm. like, salmon, we'll get trout, you know, whatever. Uh, so we booked this this charter boat up on Lake Michigan uh, and up near Traverse City. It was so awesome. Uh, we took them out. You know, they obviously like you run a charter boat. You get it. Like you just set everything up for the people. Do your thing. They have a good time. Uh, and, and my buddy, 
the line just goes down and he grabs it. <laughs> and I like, obviously the guy, the, the guy who's getting married, we're like, dude, get it. And he pulls up this giant trout. First time ever catching a fish, this giant <laughs> fish. And he, he looked like he was going to cry. It was so great. And then, and then, you know, you, the, the guide bashes it over the head and kills it. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> but like, I was so happy, man, because like he got his first fishing experience. He got a really positive outdoors experience. Uh, a few of his other buddies had never caught fish before. They got some trout. You know, I, me being the only guy in the group who was an outdoorsman, I was like, this sucks because I was the last one to go and I didn't get any fish. But I like, let, him, let, him, let him have the experience. And then we went back to this cabin we rented. Uh, I fried up the fish just like old school style, like a little bit of butter, salt, pepper fresh lake trout like an hour old and they just loved it and i'm like this is why i do this like if i can take somebody from the inner city who's never done any of this stuff before and have this good experience and they just are like they're like when can we go again that's why i do everything i do like that moment right there is absolutely the best thing ever to me yep it only takes one one time man you're just like this is what i need to do i mean (laughs) it's the same same thing with us you know um because we run a, a youth program down here and we went and volunteered at another one that was part of this program. And in like the first day the kids were there and we seen the impact that this program was having, we were just, me and my wife just kind of looked at each other and we were like, you know, we're digging this. This is really um, making an impact and we want to be a part of it. And shoot, five years later, we started our own camp down in Galveston and uh, had to cancel it this year. But I mean, we would have had our fifth one this year. Mm-hmm. Um but it just, you know, if you can make a difference in somebody's life, no matter how big or how small, to me, that's that's worth everything. And, and uh, it sounds like it's a dream for you. So Yeah, I always say, like, even on my podcast, I've had this, I probably say it on every freaking podcast. It's like, I, I'm kind of like a believer in the the ideology that, like, nobody will ever enjoy or care about conservation until they've had like really fun, positive experiences outdoors. Cause that's how I got into it. I would have never once wanted to hunt fish backpack across the U S uh, I've kayaked a 137 mile river. You know, I like do all this stuff because it's like, I've had such good experiences outdoors and, and I want to give that to other people because like it can be daunting. The outdoors is super scary if you're not doing it or like have experience in it because like you hear of, oh, there's bears out there and you only hear the horror stories. You know, you don't hear yeah. about you wake up in the middle. Like when I was on the Appalachian Trail, you don't hear the story about when I woke up in the middle of the night and there's a bear outside my tent and me and this this guy that I'm really good friends with on the trail. Uh, his name's Felix. Uh, he, him and I woke up and we hear this bear outside of our tent. And, you know, when people think bears, they're like, Oh, that don't have any experience outdoors. They're like, Oh, it's going to kill you and eat you. And, you know, here we are, you know, we know you just got to yell and scare them away basically, unless it's like a, a fluke that they're something wrong with them and they're going to attack you. But it's like we, uh, one of the, one of the few experiences I have with bears is, is standing in my underwear at like 3 a.m. singing the Canadian national anthem while this bear, we're trying to scare this bear <laughs> off. Like, like that's my experience with bears. And just to I share scare the- anybody off, probably. It scared me half to death, man. I don't know the words. I was just saying what he was saying. <laughs> but yeah, like 
like that that's to me that's what it's all about like you know taking that fear away and making it fun because it is fun there's really there are a few things here and there to be scared of if you're not prepared but overall it's not that scary outdoors yeah and i can't wait man my kids are dying to go camping we were going to have our first big like family camping trip this year and it didn't happen this spring because everything was closed, of course. But uh, I'm hoping we can get out this fall and do it because uh, my kids are almost four and almost seven. So um, they're at the age where they'll soak it up, man. I mean, they'll, they're going to they're gonna love it, you know. And they, all, they already love going on the boat and going to the deer lease with daddy and, and all that stuff. So hopefully I'll have uh, – me and my wife will have our own little mini conservation ambassadors here going strong here in the next couple of years so <laughs> well yeah that's that's but, that's the dream man to, to have your kids fall in love with the outdoors it's like every dad who's a rock and roller wants their kids to play an instrument it's like as, as an right? outdoors guy you want your kids to be in the outdoors <laughs> and that's significantly more important is a guy who yeah. does both <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah we're uh, pretty lucky to get to do this you know anything in the outdoors you don't get into it to make any money so nope <laughs> but uh it's a lot of fun oh that's why yeah. i make money is so i can go into the outdoors <laughs> that's the yeah, only right. reason <laughs> right. right so yeah but um so uh so where did so i know i know like why did you start the podcast i mean we've touched on a little bit but i mean really did you uh like where'd the name come from? I mean, why did you go with that? I, mean, um, I know what app means, but a lot of people may not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a, a awkward story. Um, I started Aptitude Outdoors. I used to work for a local park district at uh, Toledo Metro Parks. As, when I got back from the Appalachian Trail, I was like, I need to find an outdoors job or I'm going to lose my mind. And it was a seasonal position, which is a lot of the outdoors work around here, at least. I don't know about where you're at, but it's all seasonal because the the winters are nasty and the yeah. park don't get a lot of, of people out there in the winter. So they hire, you know, seasonal staff from basically early spring to when it, the park dies down. And so I get back from the trail, you know, in my head, you know, I'm this Appalachian Trail through hiker, blah, blah, blah. Still hardly knew what the hell I was doing, man. I was I like I, I worked for this part districts and the, the the department was called the outdoor skills program. So in the in the programming they did at the parks, we did kayaking, paddle boarding, fishing, uh, backpacking, everything that you can think of. And I got all these new interests like mountain biking, all this crazy stuff I never would have done. And literally the name for the podcast i don't think i've ever said this on anything before the name from the podcast i was like what could i call outdoor skills that's not outdoor skills and i was like eh, aptitude outdoors is the same thing as outdoor skills but it just sounds fancier <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it started as like a really crappy blog and i realized i hate writing like i absolutely hate writing i just do not enjoy it i thought i was going to teach myself to be into it and i just couldn't get into it so i started a youtube channel and it eventually just turned into a podcast my i have a 
background in media. Like I've, I went to school for audio engineering in the past before I went for the anthropology degree and I've recorded all my own music since I was, you know, 15 years old. And it's kind of like this weird culmination of all the things I enjoy doing, like outdoors, travel, adventure and audio equipment and video equipment and all this weird stuff. Uh, so it just kind of came to a point where I got hired by a company to run a podcast for them, which, you know, off the record, quote unquote, I, I had no, I'd never run a podcast before. <laughs> and they, and they, they, they basically like, like, what do we need to run a podcast? And I was like, well, I know what I need to record it well. And they bought all this equipment I told them to buy. And I'm currently using it at my house. <laughs> so yeah. I started a podcast. That's what yeah. happened. And I, I absolutely yeah. love it, man. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy podcasting is one of it's everything. What I look forward to at the end of every day, like two, three days a week, just talking to people like you. I just, I love it. It's so fun. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. It took me a while to get used to it. And I did my first podcast right when we started our youth camp. Mm-hmm. with uh, the local CCA down here, which is Coastal Conservation Association. They had a they have a podcast that my friend does, and he wanted to do, do one with us. And so that was my first experience. But I've done several since then. And, and uh, you know, and it was just like trying to find something else to do. And, and uh, like I've been so lucky meeting so many different people across the country and stuff. And I was like, I started listening to podcasts because like I told you before, it's like, I never listened to them. My wife did. Uh-huh. She's like, you should find something you like listening to. They're good for when you're driving and stuff. And, and so I did. And I was like, that's a really cool medium. I mean, it's like, there's no frills. It's just people talking about cool stuff. And, and uh, man, I just got the itch and we just pulled the trigger and bought the equipment. And, and, and you know, I did some research on what to get and stuff, but, but uh, it's been fun, man. It's been quite the ride. And, What's crazy is we were talking about on the phone before, but uh, it's just seeing, you know, your numbers go up and stuff. Who's listening to this thing? Um, There's people all over the world (laughs) that find things and and listen to them. So that's really, uh, really neat. It blows my mind, man. Like I started this, like my website was getting like two views, you know, like a month, you know, it was like nothing impressive. And I, I just did it because I wanted to. And like, one day I wake up and I have like 1300 downloads and I'm like, Oh my God, like what, why? Like, what did I do? All I do yeah. is chat with my friends yeah. and people. And, and, you know, like I know podcasts out there get millions of downloads and that's like everybody's aspiration, but like, I'm stoked that people are listening to it. Because right? I, I literally just love doing it and like get to, to, to spread my message about the outdoors. Like I know probably people don't agree with me all the time and whatever, that's fine. But like, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Like I would have never met you ever if I didn't start a podcast. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. I've met, I've met several cool people, man. Just, just, uh, just starting this thing up and, and reaching out to them and stuff. And, uh, it's crazy. And, and in my opinion, Instagram is the best place to meet people oh, yeah. now. Cause I mean, you can, you know, I mean, I think I've seen you like, I tagged something and I think one time you, you liked it or something. So I just clicked over and see what yours was, start following it and listening. And then, uh, you know, just kind of went back and forth like that. And, and mm-hmm. then finally reached out and, and uh, here we are. But, uh, um, it's a really cool medium is it doesn't take a lot to get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, like you said, if you got a good message and, and, uh, um, like talking, 
it's a good good thing to do. So yeah, you got to be a little bit of a talker to get into it, and we both are, so that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah I, so. and I I really actually like. I'm not joking when I say it. I really liked your podcast. I really listened to almost all the episodes before we came on, and and I think I think your message is great because it's not just hunting, it's not just fishing. It's you have this conservation ethic, and it's. I like that because conservation to me is like one of the most important things. And I, I think that's very important. And I try and put that in my podcast. That's why, mm-hmm. why I do it. And like, that's, I think that's important and I, I absolutely enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of, that was my goal, you know, and, and it's really cool to hear that, you know, from somebody outside, but it's just trying to cover different people across the country that are doing cool things to, to get people outdoors and, and to make an impact. And, uh, um, we've been really lucky, man. I've got like, uh, it's like on Friday I'm interviewing, uh, and here's a sneak peek, man. We've got, um, my buddy, Nick, who used to be on uh, deadliest catch. Uh-huh. He's coming on. And, um, so that's going to be a great interview. And we've got a lot of other cool people, um, lined up a few big names and some people you ain't never heard of before. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's what I like, man. You know, just just getting people's stories, man. I love stories, and and uh, it's awesome. So <laughs> well, you can count me as one of the people they've never heard of. <laughs> uh, me neither. Nobody knows who the heck I am either. So, but uh, but that's the thing. You can get a couple people that somebody has heard of, and then, and then you then you'll get you know, get some more uh, yep. coverage for it. But uh, um, so I wanted to ask you. Um, so you're so you're in a another band currently, right? Yep. so my son and you'll think this is hilarious so we just watched the uh new trolls uh world tour movie or whatever (laughs) when it's rock and roll and they got all the different um types of music in it stuff i don't know you probably never seen it (laughs) but uh anyway it's actually a pretty funny movie but he loves the rock and roll trolls and i Mm -hmm. told him i'm meeting a rock and roll dude today on the podcast and he's like he just walks around and he just, I told him how to hook his hands and, you know, just yell rock and roll. And he's got his little <laughs> plastic guitar. And so he thought that was really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was actually, I actually found uh, one of the videos on YouTube of y'all's uh, and played it. And he was just like, Oh, and he was just out there <laughs> trying to play and everything. So that was pretty funny. Don't let him watch too much, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. were reading that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, but I mean, Man, how, how, I mean, what's it like to be in a heavy metal band? <laughs> well, so the band that I'm currently in right now is called Astral Born. And it's kind of a weird story because I've, I grew, that was my life before the outdoors was just like playing heavy metal. And I've all, like I said previously, I've always been into audio. And my buddies who, like, I looked up to when I was a kid. They've been playing and, you know, there I'd go to their shows before I even played shows, you know, and it's weird talking about this on an outdoors podcast. I feel like I live two separate yes. lives. <laughs> I feel yeah. like, I live like, a, like two lifestyles that no, nobody knows about, but, um, oh, it's part of the story, man. <laughs> so, the, so my buddies, Jason and Derek, they're, they've been playing a lot longer than me and they, they hit me up cause they know I do recording like, Hey, our band that we were in and we're not doing much anymore. We, we want to record an album. 
and we know you record. So we're trying to do this cheap, like, you know, and they've been good friends of mine for a long time. And I was like, yeah, just come over. We'll have some beers. We'll have some fun. It ended up being like a year and a half process. And then it was like, they couldn't find a bass player. I was like, well, I've, you know, I've only played guitar for like 12 or 13 years. So I guess I'll just play the bass for you. And then they couldn't find a vocalist. And I was like, well, I'm the vocalist in my other band. If it's just a demo record that we're putting out on our, you know, for online for whatever, and we're never going to play shows or anything. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll just do the vocals on it. So I did the vocals, I did the bass, I did the production. I did, I ended up like, uh, I ended up not mixing it because I was so burned out. And then, you know, we put it online and we literally within a month, we get a email from like a major heavy metal record label and they signed us and we're like, what the heck? So we like, so we like got signed to this big record label with like our idols on it just by literally drinking beer and screwing around and having a good time. And so I like, feel like I live this like fake rock star lifestyle, but like my main passion is the outdoors. So I like, I I strap on the uh, heavy metal clothes and let my hair down occasionally and play, play uh, play rock star, but like podcasting in the outdoors is like my favorite. So I'm like, I don't know. I got a personality or something, man. It's very weird for me. (laughs) It's cool though, man. So are y'all going to, Amir, are they, uh, are they wanting y'all to get out on the road when stuff starts getting back kind of to normal and and do shows and stuff or what? No idea what's going to happen. It was like a, a spur of the moment thing that happened. And we, we, we know we, we combed the contract and read it and we're like, I guess we'll just go for it. You know, or like how many times (laughs) you get this opportunity and I don't know, it's in limbo. We don't know what we're going to do, but. Hey, I'm a travel junkie, so who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Hey, if we Dude. can the uh, you know, the Rockies, and I can get a couple hunting trips in in the middle and some backpacking, I guess. There I you go, know. man. I don't know what to say, yeah. but everything yeah, should be flying around in a private jet, uh, opening for Metallica or something. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe that's, <laughs> that's off, I would think, but yeah, I I just like to have fun. <laughs> that's what yeah. I. Yeah, that's cool, man. So that that's uh, a you never never know where things lead. So yeah, heck, man, I never thought I'd be a, a fishing guide and then have my own podcast and and have our own kids camp, man. Before I moved to Texas, now look what happened, you know. Uh, but, that's, so, um, that's so important. What you're doing, like with the kids, like to me, like to me with the kids, getting the kids informed is everything. Like for real, like that's so yeah, important. it is. It is, man, and. um I was really planning on doing a, a, a series of podcasts this year um, before our camp season started with kind of the founders of the Texas brigades and stuff and uh, really diving into the, the meat of the program and how important it is. Cause I mean, it, there's a lot of really cool stories with a lot of people involved and, and um, that's going to have to probably wait till this winter or something, but, um, but um, it, it'll be cool when I get to do that. So mm-hmm. I got, I don't know, man. I've got I've got some really cool things in my head to to, to do down here, and, and uh, almost have like a like a mini podcaster summit, and uh, you know everybody come to Texas, and maybe we'll do some hunting or something, and maybe you can come down or whatever, and and have yeah, some know. people there to to interview for two or three days, and and just everybody kind of have a good time and stuff, and uh, I'm you know, that's been in the back of my head since I started this. So I'm, I'm hoping I can make that happen. And uh, I think that'd be pretty cool if we could get it started. Cause I've never really, I know there's like some podcast 
podcaster meetings and stuff, you know, around the country they do, but I've never heard of any of the outdoors guys really getting together and, and doing something. That sounds semi- like a good time to me. Huh? <laughs> I'm all yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a dream right now, but I'm hoping it'll be a reality, you know, within the next year or two. So absolutely. Um, now that I can actually show that, you know, there are people that listen to what I'm putting out. So, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, that's one of the, one of the things, one of the other thing I was going to ask you was, um, you know, just kind of doing this on the side, not really getting anything out of besides the satisfaction. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things that drives me crazy about some podcasts is just all the ads that are in them now. <laughs> yeah. What's your take on monetizing these things? Cause, uh, you know, I mean, eventually I'll, I'll probably go that route, but very minimal on it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if somebody wants to pay me to do my podcast, I would be very stoked about it. <laughs> but yeah, right. that ain't the case right now. Like, I, yeah. It's a it's a lot of work in in the editing and stuff because I also have video on mine, which makes yeah, the, right. like the audio editing isn't too bad. But the video editing aspect of it is very time consuming. But yeah, I mean, if you're doing this for the money, it's, it's just like being in a band, man. Like if, if you're doing it for the money, you're, you're in it for the wrong reason. Like I just love talking to people like you. I love you know, I've talked to I think right now I've recorded close to 22 episodes on my podcast. I've released like 15 or 16 at this at the time of this recording. And like I just really enjoy it. Like it's not it's not a chore. It's not like a pain for me to do it. And I, I, I really think that if you're not doing it for that reason, then you're not, you're never going to get anywhere with it. The sponsors yeah. come later when you, when, when they see that you care, I think that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, cause man, I'll listen to these things and I want to listen to them, man. You know, some of them I'll get on and be like, it's 10 minutes into the show before it even starts and, <laughs> and uh, stuff going on in the middle and all that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah yeah i feel it what's your what's some of your favorite podcasts you listen to some of mine yeah so um team never quit which i've mentioned to you before mm-hmm. so that's uh marcus latrell's podcast who was uh the lone survivor yep. um if you ever seen that movie with mark Wahlberg, that's him um he lives down here just north of houston and he's got a really very motivational um and it's not subtle motivation. It's pretty high, high uh, intensity podcast. They talk, I mean, it's fun. They talk a lot of, a lot of cool people in the military and outside the military. And, and, um, if you want some motivational stuff, listen to that one. It's a good one. And then, um, of course, uh, if I can listen for three hours, I'll try to listen to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> um, these are pretty long meat eaters are pretty long too, but they're really good. Um, I, f- I finally got to meet Steve Ranella this year in Nashville oh, at the Jeff no conference. It was so cool, man. I was walking down one of the aisles and, uh, I had went with my dad and, and we walked by the federal ammunition booth and I just turned around and, and, uh, him and Cal were standing right there on the corner and nobody was talking to them. And I was just like, what? I told my dad, I was like, I'll be right back. <laughs> That's like so there. And I mean, by the time I turned around, there was like five people that jumped over there, but, uh, I did get to talk to him for about 10 minutes and uh, that was really cool meeting him. And, and uh, he's a little bitty dude, um, <laughs> but uh, he's cool. Very down to earth, easy to talk to. And uh, um, that, who knows, maybe one day I'll be able to get him on the show. So yeah, that's the dream right there, man. That's a, he's yeah. a, fellow, he's a fellow Michigan boy. I, I appreciate that. 
we got that we got that nasal tonality to our voice. <laughs> Steve, right, yeah. Steve, you know, he's he's the man though. Like I like I said earlier in the podcast, man, I watched every episode of Meat Eater and I was like, I need to mm-hmm. hunt. This is and a really I, good show. Not to dwell on Meat Eater, but man, that show. Dear God, that ch- that's like the best hunting show that's ever been out there. And I'm sure people yeah, are like, oh, whatever, but it's it's so it shows the failure. Like yeah, not every hunt is sweet and successful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, probably the one that really got me wanting to do the podcast, like 100% I was wanting to do it, was um, Tom Rowland's, the Tom Rowland podcast. And Tom is, um, if you ever watched any saltwater fishing shows, he and uh, Rich Tudor host the Saltwater Experience show down in the Florida Keys. And, um, man, he's just, I mean, fishing legend. And uh, But, dude, that that guy – He's just one of the best I've heard interviewing people and uh, interviews people from all walks of life doing all kinds of things in the fishing and fitness and hunting world. And um, and it's really cool to watch or listen to his podcast from when he started to where it is now because he's just putting out so much content now. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Plus, he's doing he's producing like uh, three or four national TV shows on top of all this plus he's a fitness guru and uh um but it's cool it's really cool listening to him talk and um you know we've we've met each other and i'm um, hoping to get him on the show this year too so Damn. but um i had one guy that when i put my list of people to interview initial my initial list of who i dreamed to have on the show um wanted on just passed away last year i think um, but was uh tread Barta. Did you ever hear him? Mm, no. So he was, he had a show on, um, and then when I first seen him on TV, it was on, uh, I think it was on versus before that show or channel went away, but it was the best and worst of tread Barta. And he was a hardcore, um, hunter and fisherman. He was a pilot. He owned his own uh, plane company. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I mean, dude, look it up. You can find, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or whatever. Just look up Tread Barta. But uh, the thing I loved about his show is what you said earlier. It's like he showed, most of the time, he never caught anything or never killed anything. But he showed all the struggles and the process that went into it. You know, no frills, just straight truth. And um, it was really cool to see somebody doing that. Because 99% of the shows out here, they're going to, you know, catch a ton of fish or mm-hmm. kill the some trophy animals every single episode you watch and they're all full of um sponsorships you know it's like oh we use this and this and you got to have this and i Mm. I hate that um i think that's what i've liked so much about um my friends over at the hunting public is they're very you know they don't do a lot of sponsors stuff you know using products they're very minimalist on what they what they use for hunting public land and if you if nobody's checked them out go check out their channel They've got a podcast it's called The Hunting Public, yep. and then um, they do some really awesome YouTube videos all about hunting public land all across the country for whitetail, turkey. They're doing some elk now. I think they, they just finished up uh, an antelope hunt up north as well this week. So, Yeah, that's impressive stuff, man. I, I, I have been checking that out since I heard your podcast about them, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were supposed to have a bunch of them come down and go fishing this summer. They're pretty bummed. Uh, I've got Aaron down, um, one of the original guys from the hunting public. He, he and the, his fiance 
and her kids came down. We got them out on the water. That was a lot of fun. We filmed an episode for the YouTube channel on that, and uh, it was a blast having them on the, on the show. So on the boat and stuff. So, but um, but yeah, I mean, what are some of your favorites that you listen to? I I have a weird like mixed bag of podcasts that I really like. Uh, one of my favorites is obviously Meat Eater. That's that was kind of yeah. one of the inspirations I had for my style of podcast because like like Steve Ranella, he just kind of talks about what like it's not always about like being super like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. Like sometimes on your podcast, you'd be like, nah, dude, that's bullshit. Like, you know, like he doesn't he's yeah. not afraid to, to to go that route with his guests. And, and you know, I was kind of that's a lesson you got to learn in interviewing with, from my stance is like you can't always agree with everyone, you know, but it is like. And then like their topics and they're just kind of like free flowing. And I, I really like that kind of like how your mm -hmm. podcast is too. Um, obviously Joe Rogan podcast is funny and hilarious. He just has a bunch of crazy people on there. I love that. Uh, one of the podcasts, believe it or not, that I really love is called Sasquatch Chronicles. There's like 600 <laughs> episodes and I've listened to all, like all of the free ones. I haven't subscribed or anything, but like, I don't know why, like as an outdoors guy, I grew up with like weird. My dad always watched every freaking Bigfoot show that was ever on TV. So it's like nostalgic. Like I always just love it. Like I don't necessarily believe in it myself, but I like, like I just find it so interesting and I don't know why. Like it's like my nerd out, like my nerd outdoors thing. Uh, it's so, so did you like watch Harry and the Hendersons like a hundred times oh, when you were yeah. a kid? Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Dude, I was terrified. I used to have nightmares of like Bigfoot looking in my window as a kid because my dad like he watched all that crazy stuff, and I, I just I I don't know. It's like a it's like a throwback for me. I really like it. Other than that, like honestly, I listen. Anybody who comes on my show, if they have a podcast, I will like literally gauntlet listen to every episode. Um, any outdoors podcast. One of my buddies up in New York, he runs the Forty Six of Forty Six podcast. That's a good one. Uh, it's all about like peak bagging and the high peaks of the Adirondacks. There's, there's so many, uh, there's the outdoors podcast. Like there's so many good kind of underground podcasts about the outdoors that are just fun to listen to. And honestly, as a through hiker, I don't listen to through hiking podcasts. Cause like the subject at this point kind of bores me. Like, I'm, like I don't, I, I already did that. And to me, it's not as exciting. Like I still talk to through hikers on my show, but at the same time, it's like, I, have that experience and like i'm so tired of talking about you know right yeah yeah so i can I, see that so yeah i just i listen to i will honestly listen to anything like if it's interesting like history podcasts and stuff but i kind of stick to the outdoor stuff yeah 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 me too mostly so but um so uh just one other thing i was gonna ask you um i kind of asked everybody this but i mean so where where do you see yourself five years from now i mean i mean how big do you think your venture into the podcasting world i mean where do you want it to go and and kind of do you have any aspirations to do any other big hiking trips or anything like that across the country big hunting expeditions or um kind of what's in the future for for paul yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I really, I didn't set the podcast to have a goal per se. Like, yeah, really? I would absolutely love to hit like 5 million downloads, but you know, 
uh, in five years from now, I would really like to see myself working in the outdoors industry again. Like I really, I don't work in there right now because to like be straight honest with you, uh, the AT like through hiking the Appalachian trail, just like destroyed my bank account. I mean, I was young when I did it, so it's not a big deal, but like it took me a month. It took me a long time to recover from that, like financially. Uh, what's that, what's that show, The Tiger King? I will never financially recover from this or whatever. You said. <laughs> but, yeah, that place was just down the road from where I'm currently at. FYI. Oh no, so. no, <laughs> dear God, this is going to turn into like a five hour podcast. But <laughs> yeah, and I all and just to go off on another rabbit hole. When, <laughs> You know, I would always drive up and down I-35 and see the billboard for the GW Exotic Zoo or whatever, and I always seen that dude's picture up there with one of the tigers, and I was just like, who the heck is that guy? And then last year, or whenever the show came out on Netflix, I was just like, holy crap, man. <laughs> That is so Even awesome. Even Oklahoma, a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, my God. So this is this show is brought to you by the Tiger King. No, <laughs> yeah, Joe Exotic, <laughs> Joe Exotic. But yeah, that was oh my god, that's funny. Um, but yeah, that 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 the Appalachian Trail took me a minute to recover from. But like my ideal, my ideal five years from now would be to still be having a good time podcasting, um, really like working in conservation outdoors, like. I'm sure as anybody who does that work and I've done it previously in the past knows that it's not like I'm going to be a millionaire, but uh, it's rewarding and you get to be in the outdoors. And that's kind of what I'm working towards right now. Just saving money, uh, trying to grow the podcast, obviously, and talk to really interesting people. And yes, I I would, I would obviously love to do more trips. Uh, I think I'm out of the long distance game. Uh, I, I mean, the Appalachian Trail kind of got that out of my blood. I really just like exploring new places and like hunting, fishing, just the general outdoors experience. Like I've been into mountain biking a lot lately. Just anything exciting outdoors that's new. I really enjoy it. So I may do some like mild long distance stuff, a few hundred miles, maybe three, five hundred miles. But I think the uh, the 2000 plus mile game is out of my system. And, and I would really like to just... <laughs> focus on making a difference in the outdoors world that's that's my main goal for the next five years and hopefully the rest of my life yeah i'm thinking about the uh 18 mile hike i did in germany and about that about killed me i can't, <laughs> imagine, I can't even fathom doing just a two or three hundred mile jonic through the woods <laughs> well it's a lot easier when you're uh like well i don't know probably like 65 pounds lighter than i am now and yeah you know, exactly yeah. five years younger so you yeah. know well, if you come down, if you get, if you ever get down here and we get to go hunting or something, uh, one of the places right next to my uh, place I deer hunt at is uh, Enchanted Rock, and it's uh, one of our state park areas. And uh, look that one up; it's really cool. I've never been over there. I, I can see it from the window on my one of my deer blinds, um, but I've always wanted to go over there and do that. So uh, if we can get you down here, we'll go check that out. So. Yeah, I'll do an overnight backpacking trip, and then you'll have to take me fishing or something. That'll be that'll yeah, be the yeah, yeah. trip. <laughs> I'm yeah, down. Exactly. Let me know. You got my yeah. phone number. Yeah, we'll do it. So, but um, well, man, um, I really appreciate you know what you're doing and with the podcast and all the stuff you've done in the past, and uh, you know you are you are making an impact on people's lives, even though you don't 
may not hear back from it or only see people making weird comments and stuff on social media, but you know, just, just, uh, um, stuff I've seen, you know, just recently from what you've been doing, you're doing good, man. I, I really appreciate you taking time to be on here today. So thank you, man. Likewise, I really love what you're doing. And, uh, I thank you for asking me to come on, uh, and anytime if you want to come on the aptitude outdoors podcast, you just let me know. We'll, we'll do it again. Yeah, man. Love to do it. And, uh, and one other thing I was going to mention before we hopped off of here, but uh, I know you guys are always into like craft beers and, uh, and all yeah. that show, man. I don't drink, but uh, luckily um, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, uh, him and his buddies actually own a brewery and tap room here in Oklahoma City. Oh. And, man, they are just killing it, man. They are doing so good. It's called the Vanessa House Beer Company. And... Um, Man, they've got so many different brews and stuff, and uh, I've tried a few of them. You know, like I said, I don't drink, so I don't really have the taste for that stuff. But um, man, everybody loves it. You know, and it's so cool the the tap room that they have now. Um, it's so family friendly here with all the laws they've changed in Oklahoma and stuff. So you can go get food, bring it over there, and it's just a cool place to have fun. So if anybody's ever driving through OKC, um, look up Vanessa House and try them out, and. Uh, Maybe we can figure out a way to ship some up there to you. <laughs> oh, man, that would be crazy. We'll review it with my band. We have so, our own beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's so cool. I, yeah, I'm a I'm a craft beer nerd. Sorry, everybody. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. I'll drink a PBR with the best of them while we're out hunting or something, but I, I like me a good uh, craft brew. <laughs> right? Like, like down in Texas, it's all about uh, Lone Star. Lone Star, I know. Lone Star and Shiner, so. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing finer than an ice cold shiner, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, well, cool, dude. Well, like I said, man, I appreciate um, appreciate you being on here. And uh, man, if uh, hopefully everybody go and check out Aptitude Outdoors and uh, follow you along on all your adventures. And uh, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. All right, thanks, Derek, man. I appreciate all right, it. Thanks. All right, Paul, appreciate it, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, well, that's it for this week's show. We want to thank Paul for being on with this man. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show and hope everybody um, enjoyed listening to it. And please go check out his podcast. You can find it on all the major podcast platforms, Aptitude Outdoors. And then uh, look him up on Instagram and uh, Facebook and I think Twitter and uh, follow along on all his adventures and stuff. And uh, we're hoping to get Paul down here to Texas, hopefully in the next year or so and maybe we can get out and do some hunting and fishing together so really looking forward to that um and thanks again just for for tuning in again this week we really appreciate your support and can't wait for uh the next episode coming up here and um really hoping hoping everybody's doing good out there um we're starting to get into the fall season so hopefully things are starting to cool off where you're at and getting out of the summer pattern so everybody can get ready to get back out in the woods and do some deer hunting and some bird hunting and all that great stuff and uh, we can't wait down here in texas so um until the next show we will talk to everybody then all right thanks for tuning in